A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number Stores or SleepNumber.com. So I'm very excited to introduce Sophia Parsa, who Jasmine and I are lucky to know very well, to the podcast. I remember when I first met Sophia, we got introduced from a friend and I was so in awe about all the things that she did. She at the time was at FabFitFun. She had her own speaker series called Mountain Gate. She was an investor and advisor, was doing so many things for her family and her community. And fast forward a couple of years later, she is still doing many things, but now is also the founder of Golden Rice, who... As some of you who don't know, during COVID, she launched with her mom and her family, actually, a ghost kitchen type concept, only available on Sundays, super exclusive. Everyone wanted a spot of Persian rice called Tadiq. Am I saying it right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) And she's very, very good at the whole experience and the packaging and how you feel, not just how good the food tastes. And immediately it became an Instagram hit. Um, And she is now actually doing that full time. And taking it into a really cool rotisserie concept. She also has an amazing events business. She did my wedding, so I know. Um, And Jasmine's birthday. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, She's extremely, extremely talented. And then she does a bunch of other things on the side. But I remember when I first met you, I was just like, who is this girl? And I need to just be in her presence more because she motivates me. She inspires me and I want to be around her. So welcome to the pod, So Welcome to the pod. I'm going to (laughs) cry. That was so sweet. And Sophia and I have known each other since we were babies. Yeah, for yeah. I feel like I'm with my best friend and like my cousin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, aren't, you, aren't you guys basically cousins? I mean, you know. Kind of. Yeah, like we've known each other forever. Our so yeah, literally our whole lives. Yeah. So we're lucky to have you. We are. I feel Very so lucky privileged. to be here. So honored. So our first question is always, what is your definition of fulfillment? So what I realized about myself is I feel most fulfilled when I'm in a state of flow. Like when Mm -hmm. I feel like I totally understand almost like I'm 15 steps ahead without even being there. So for me, like I can almost predict what's going to happen next Mm -hmm. and it's positive, right? Um, You have that knowing and that faith. Yeah. Because you're like, this is right. Yeah. And I think Mm -hmm. in my relationships, like when we're talking, I can feel that state of flow in my family life. You know, it's not always state of flow in any relationship, but in my family life as well, just feeling like we understand each other. We're on a common ground. It's a level of connection that's so deep. And then professionally too, like I realized very quickly, I don't want to be behind my laptop. I don't want to be just, you know, typing away. And I want to feel like I'm creating, I'm touching things with my hands. And that comes back to actually just feeling connected to the work. Mm-hmm. 
So where things don't feel like work anymore, they feel like your purpose. Yeah. Your calling. Like you create them and that you can feel them and touch them and see them. And it's not just spreadsheets. Yeah. Right. Because that's not any of the work that you do. Right. Not anymore. Not anymore. But you know what I mean? (laughs) But it took you a while to get to that place where you become so self-aware of your strengths and your magic. And so that you can be in your strengths and not be dealing with the things you don't want to focus on. Yeah. Because I think when you're like in your early 20s, you're figuring it out and you're, you're trying a bunch of different things. And it's so natural for people to think you need to be this or that. And the truth is, is you don't know until you start. And for some reason, I ended up behind computers and spreadsheets and starting (laughs) businesses that way. And then realized that like, I'm not fulfilled. And I kept from looking for this fulfillment. And and the thing is, is that those things weren't succeeding because I didn't. Because it wasn't your magic being utilized. (laughs) Totally. We talk about this all the time. I think that's like why this was born is just sort of, I realized spreadsheets weren't for me a long time ago, but I had just mentioned this earlier. Like it's just knowing sort of like, I'm, I'm like at this point, I remember at 28 being like, I'm not meant to be behind a desk. Like I'm not meant to be sitting parked at a desk all day, nine to five. Like that's not what's going to make me happy. We've talked about this so much. Like we like to be out in the field, be with people. Yeah. I think it's like, it's so special to know. I mean, we, it's funny because like there are people who do know what they want to do since when they're kids. Like they're like, I'm going to be. Yeah, they're one thing. Like Aaron. Totally. He's like, lover. he's loves <laughs> spreadsheets and whatnot. And then there's other people like I think us that like to dabble in things and different periods of our lives were fulfilled by different things. I think the three of us, because I know both of you so well, have one thing in common for sure, which is like we really yearn and feel connection mm-hmm. in a way that's like it's so important to us that it has to be in our everyday life or it we're won't, not fulfilled. It won't go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we, it's like so hard to motivate which I do think is a huge part of fulfillment. Like when you can like feel that 15 steps ahead and just know it's going to be good wherever I'm headed, it's right. Yeah. I feel like it's so much easier to wake up in the morning feeling super like jived and excited. But when you don't feel that, it's so difficult, right? It's so hard to like drag your feet to the office and be like, okay, what am I even doing? What am I working for? But I feel like something that you've done really well is you've pivoted a lot. And you've tried different things and stuck to some and let go of some when you had to. And I think that's really interesting because I think you have to be very daring to do that, right? Yeah. To like recognize that you have different drives and different motivations and you want to follow them. Mm-hmm. And you also, I think there's a gift in knowing when you're going to like put more energy into one project versus the other. So I guess like that's something that I'd like yeah. to talk about. Yeah. How do you know when to like let go? Because I think it's really hard. You have, I remember you had an ed tech company, right? Like, yeah. how do you know like when it's time to let go? And how do you also just like let go? Because so often now, like people loop us into a box, right? So Sophia equals the founder of Golden Rice, right? And people put us there. And when you no longer want to be that, or when you're not that yet, it's very hard for other people's brains, right? To put you in another box. And so often it's like, why am I doing things for other people's brains? Mm-hmm. Like I want to do me, but I'm so scared of like what other people will think too when I make a career shift. And you've done this so kind of like seamlessly well from the outside. Yeah. It's not <laughs> you make it look great. Inside. Yeah. But how you can flow so seamlessly from but so many different also, identities. So what we really do want to talk about is like, it is really easy for us to be like, wow, and admire you. And like, you deserve that admiration regardless. But I think that is part of the purpose of this podcast is to be like, to kind of pull back the curtain and be like, 
people need to know that like there are hard moments. Mm -hmm. And I think we focus so much as a generation on wanting to sit at the top of the hill, but Mm -hmm. we like don't know how to get there. We don't know what our top of the hill looks like. And I think like hearing more about those moments when you've been like, I don't know what to do. I think for me, unfortunately and fortunately in some way, like I, I guess when I lost my dad, I stopped having that person that mm-hmm. I could just be like, help, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. um, I need guidance. So I, all of a sudden it was like, oh, you have to, you have to look at yourself. Of course, I have my mom, my sister, my brother. I'm so lucky, friends, et cetera. But there's a certain, there's something about like a father figure, I think for me, totally. that is like a protector. And when you lose that protector and then you deal with loss, I lost my best friend and my dad in the same year. Right. And so for me, I learned to accept loss and not look at the negativity of it and just like try to find the the force Mm -hmm. within loss because there is a force. There's always change and growth with loss, even though it's ground shattering. (laughs) Right. As Glennon Doyle says, pain is magic. Yeah, it totally is. And so I guess I, I got to a place, well, with my ed tech business, I just, first of all, I was going through a major shift in my personal life. And I think if you don't, how old were you during that? Oof, I was, I like blacked out. I don't know, 24, 25. Yeah. But, you know, I had my younger sister, my younger brother, my and mom. And you took on the role of like really being a support system for your family. Yeah, I did. And then, you know, my sister as well. But I, I'm so lucky that I had her, right? Because we we got to like put our minds together and, and that just comes down to really great parenting. But when you've accepted that loss isn't always negative, that there is positivity in loss, Mm -hmm. then you kind of actually eliminate some fear. So for me, people are like, you just go, you just start things. Why? What am I going to lose? I think you often regret more the things that you don't try than try. Of course. So So how do you find though, if someone doesn't have those type of experiences in their lives, like how do you like cultivate that? Because fear is something that is the number one thing that holds everyone back, right? Like it's the opposite of like execution. Like people have ideas and brilliant things that they want to accomplish, but they never start, right? Because they have this fear. So how do you like push it away and just do it? That's why I say it's like a weird, unfortunate thing for me because it's fortunate and unfortunate. Losing someone is unfortunate. The fortunate side for me was, well, it forced me to do these things. Okay. So my take on it is that fear, and I have not mastered this, it's a work in progress, but fear is the opposite of love and trust. So if you have love and trust, then you cannot have fear. They cannot coexist. So if I fully trust in the universe and in myself and in the people that are around me or my business partners or whatever it is that I'm going to figure it out, then I should not have fear. And if I fully choose love and lead with love, then again, I cannot have fear. But I think our brains are naturally gravitate towards fear, right? We have this fight or flight. It's it fear comes it to us, us for a protective mechanism. Yeah. But we don't need that in the same way. Like it's not like a lion is chasing us anymore. Yeah. But we now have that fear and it infiltrates in all parts of our lives. It sabotages relationships, you know, it makes us not start the thing that we want to start. <laughs> I see those eyes, guys. Totally. I mean, like, <laughs> but it's like you have to choose love and trust. And it's like a muscle that you need to exercise. The fear comes and you have to shift. It's not going to happen overnight. Like the more you can like tell yourself, like, nope, fear, 
let's go to love and trust, the more it will just like happen naturally. I think also managing how it affects you, like how fear affects you. So it's very, very easy example. Babies fall. They're not afraid of falling. We're afraid of falling as mm-hmm. we get older and older. Yeah, you. it's like natural to build more fear as you get older. Totally. Because you also are just aware that there's more fear to be had in a way. Totally. But what if you were every time you were faced with a moment of fear and you overcame it, you actually like took a second and you checked in. Yeah, you, you had, had like the untethered what? soul moment. Just like <laughs> right. let it go. Or you're like, was that really that bad? Yeah. No, it's true. When you have, even when you have like those moments where you have to have like a, you know, conversation that's like a confrontational conversation. And I always hate those. But then after I do them, I'm like, wow, that wasn't bad. I feel relieved. I feel great. I feel in my power and in my worth. But remembering that the next time fear comes knocking, it's like, you just did that. You're totally fine. And you're just going to do it again. But I think if you don't take the moment to be like present in that and like actually observe that oh, nothing really went wrong, then in hindsight, things seem a lot worse than they really were. So I wonder if there's this like... Yeah, I think like yes and no, I guess. Because if you have the moment after and you're like, okay, so for context, Sophie and I got out of really long-term relationships right before we turned 30 Yeah, at the same time. And that's like a fearful moment, especially as a woman. You're like, oh God, you know, what's next for me? Am I going to be okay? What's dating in your 30s look like? Like there's so many questions. And like, I remember staying in it probably a lot longer than I should have out of fear. Mm -hmm. But then even in looking back, like I, because I did work around it, I think I can look back and be like, actually, I just built my resilience muscle and like, I will get through it. And I think you almost need enough you almost need enough successes and enough failures to look back and be like, I will be okay. Because then you you build self-trust. You'll be like, I'll be fine. Goes back to trust. Yes, it goes back to trust. goes back to love. Because it's so much easier. I remember when I started to really work on myself, I was 24. And I started to like really dig into my spirituality. And it was so much easier to said than done to be like, nope, like that's fear. I'm going to start thinking love. And that works, but it has a limit. because. There are things that like, I think you inherently fear and until you experience the other side of fear, which is the fear coming true, you can't really trust yourself enough to handle hard situations. So, so how did you trust yourself to handle? Like you could have taken your father and your best friend's death as like fearful and like everything now is fearful. Like something's going to happen to everyone. Like just automatically go to fear, but you chose to take that and find the silver linings and use it as a force, as you said. So like, how do you think like you were able to go on that path of trust and self-love and no fear versus the complete other end? I've been thinking about this a lot recently because as you know, I'm now in therapy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she gave me her therapist too. Um, And so I, I guess in that moment, I had no choice, but I, I well, I had two choices yes, to victimize true. myself, which maybe I did for half a second, or to like take life by its hand and just like run and not be afraid of whatever obstacle came my way because the worst thing that could have ever imagined happened to me. Yeah. So now what? <laughs> you know? And, and so I just like went at it and said, like, I'm just going to figure it out. It's survival of the fittest to a fault. Now that I'm realizing to a fault where like nothing could get in my way and I became kind of numb to, to fear and I would just do anything just cause, you know, yeah. cause I was like, yeah, you can't yeah, listen. It's definitely a coping mechanism, but it's a, it's a helpful one. Yeah. And then now 
I'm realizing that I actually didn't deal with any of that. I I, I took time for myself, but I didn't do the work in dealing with yeah. the loss. I just that was like a way to almost deflect. Totally. I just there was loss and there was action. There was no moment of like grieving, grieving, accepting. I didn't have the time. And now I do. And now more than ever, I'm more interested in understanding why I choose to live the life that I live, why I choose to have multiple businesses, why I have so many friends. Like, what is it about like having access, but in a positive way around me? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, and I'm like really digging in that right now, actually, years later. So good for you. Yeah, no, that's amazing. There's never the right time. Like you can find it at any time, right? It doesn't, you know, just because you didn't uncover it before, this is the time that you're meant to uncover it. I think yeah. everything happens in our own time. Like I think- Jasmine, At least you're doing it. Yeah. Most people just live unconsciously for a long time. Yeah. yeah. And also the the fact that you sought out support from a therapist and you were like, okay, like now's the time that I need support to help uncover things so that I can be the even better version of myself. That's also big. What's funny is like, I didn't. My, like one of my investors was like, I was telling them my life story and they're like, are you in therapy? <laughs> that <laughs> so is hilarious. I was like, well, I was with my ex. Oh, right. But then oh, I yeah. stopped because we broke up. <laughs> You're like, and this didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> And then, um, and then I sort of avoided it because I was just like, oh, I'm good. There's no problem. But that's the issue. People think therapy is for problems. And I definitely grew up thinking like, oh, you go to therapy if there's an issue. And it's not like it's real maintenance, right? It's just like everyday conversations, everyday healing. And, and so I was like, you know, I know. And I feel like I can't go to my old therapist anymore because it's just like, there's conflict now, mm-hmm. but do you have someone great? And he's like, you have to see my therapist. That's how I met mine, you know? And yeah. I, I've met with many therapists and it never clicked. It's and like dating. Finally, totally. Mm-hmm. But I think for someone who's like unsure about therapy and then going in and then not clicking. hundred percent. I mean, I do this yeah. to my mom. I'm like, you know, I think all parents should be in therapy. Yeah. <laughs> That's and, a topic for some. Yeah, it's another topic for another time. But I mean, especially our parent immigrant parents, like, come on. Yeah. Like, I mean, God bless them. They like wanted us to be in therapy, but not them. Yeah. Never them. Yeah. But I was like, I had warned her. I was like, I don't want you to be turned off because she was already so hesitant by it not working with the first therapist. It's like dating. Like, if you don't hit it off with like the first person you go on a date with, it doesn't mean you should stop dating. It just means it's not the right person. Right. So it is tough to like stick it through it. So I'm glad you did. But once you find your person, it's amazing what you can accomplish when you just ask for support sometimes. Yeah. So tell us about how you face these crossroads because I think transitions are ultimately something that a lot of people have a really hard time in, right? They're constantly second guessing themselves. Like, especially I think as females, I think Jasmine and I talk about this a lot. Like we're more like indecisive, Um, whereas I think males are just kind of like, this is my path sometimes, but it's like when you face with these transitions where it's about starting a new company or changing cities or new relationships, like how are you coping with all of it at once? So therapy really helped me realize that I can do both, right? Like lean into the thing that's falling into your lap, 
if something's calling you to be somewhere else, follow that. Like, don't be so, no, rigid, right? Yeah, like, like it has to be yeah. this way. It doesn't. You can do anything from anywhere today. Mm-hmm. Certain things, right? Like, you can't because it's a service or whatever. But for the most part, you can. You really so, mastered the art also of doing everything on your phone. I've never seen anything <laughs> quite like, like it. Never pull out a laptop. It's so bad. She can, she's on the call, <laughs> typing on the phone all at the same time. And she's just like done four different businesses and like figured two it out, like how to be on the go. Yeah. That's my life. It's on the go, but I like it that way. Yeah. So I have to figure out how to make it work. So, but how are you always on the go and like constantly busy, but then still have time for like stillness so that you can connect with yourself and like, be like, okay, like, what is my gut telling me? Like, do I want to move to New York? Do I want to do this? Like, and listen to yourself because I think sometimes you need space and stillness to do that. I don't give myself enough of that time. I think my time with you actually, I find Mm -hmm. like genuinely, like the time that I spent with Annabelle is really like, and even you, like even my breakup, right? Yeah. I think for me, connection, again, going back to that is the way that I process. I'm not like a solo processor. I think I need to have conversation out loud. If I'm having conversation with myself, I'm going in circles. And I know that about myself. Right. So knowing who I go to about specific things, like life advisors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that That is so important. It's such a real thing. I was just telling Dale, who just was on our podcast, that this is, I think, before we even started recording, but like... Something that's so funny is that we're such a generation where we blindly follow people on social media. Mm-hmm. And we're like, sometimes I'll find myself, I have a lot of amazing like accounts I follow. It's like licensed therapists, et cetera. And they're all really empowering. And then I have some people where I'm like, why am I getting advice from this person? It's like, I always have the metaphor of like, why are you going to your specialty butcher shop for fashion advice? Like you need to go to the right people for the right things. And that's such an art in and of itself Mm -hmm. because like Annabelle has different advice about something than you do. And like your wisdom is both valuable, but for different things. And that's always the way it's going to be in life. I like this, that terminology, like life advisors, like we need to be wise about who we're surrounding ourselves with and who we're asking for what advice. hundred percent. And also it's, I always think about like, with relationship advice. I'm like, I need to go to someone who's showing up in a relationship the way I want to show up Mm -hmm. because that's the type of advice I need, you know? And I think it's so, so wise. I'm an external processor too. So I like need to have those conversations out loud. Yeah. So those conversations happen with friends. They happen with my therapist and then, and my family, of course. But I've noticed that the place that I do my best thinking is on the plane. Yeah, it's very emotional on the plane. It's a reflective time. It's a super reflective Apparently time. your emotions are like, you're more, there's some fact about how you're more susceptible to be emotional on planes. Especially when the Wi-Fi doesn't work. You something really have the only time for yourself. Yeah, something about the elevation. No, it's not. You're closer <laughs> to the sun. You're in the sky. It is so emotional. It's very emotional. And it's, it's well, it also represents like possibility, openings. That. Ex- exploration. And walking. Yeah. Which you don't do in LA. Which you don't do. And I think that's why I'm so addicted to New York right now. I know. We get it. We're both. But I actually am the anomaly that walks a ton here. Like I'm always walking up and down. But no, I I totally understand. There's something about the energy also in New York that like there's a lot of triggers too. So that you notice more of the triggers and then you know what you need to work on. Do you find like there's a lot of like things that come up when you're in New York? Mm -hmm. Just because I, I don't think I have my own space. I feel I'm like gonna... New York has an energy I always felt of like being alone together. Mm. So you have this like, I was someone that never really liked to be alone before I lived in New York. 
And because you're always with people in New York, I started to really savor like those walks alone with my AirPods in, like listening to a certain soundtrack, like a soundtrack of my life that I'm curating. And you're like, <laughs> you know what I mean? You're like pumped up going to work or like reflecting and walking down the West Side or Highway. Crying. Just crying. Oh, I, I, you always cry in public in New York. It's like such a no. rite of passage. It's such a thing there, you know? And then you like run into and then, people. Yeah, you run into people. And you're like, sorry, I just broke up with my boyfriend. <laughs> oh, but. Man. Yeah, I think there's something about New York that in a weird way, because it's really overwhelming and and sometimes intense, you are pushed to start to create boundaries for yourself and like times of reflection. And it's such an energetically powerful city. So I think it just like can push you in a lot of different directions. Mm -hmm. But it is really like, there's nothing better than putting on you know, a, even a sad song and like going on a walk by yourself and like reflecting. Like there's just, it's so special. And it's also moodier because the weather's not sunny all the time. Not to complain about LA. I know. <laughs> it's like hot Seasonal all the time Seasonal depression is a thing. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's actually true. But I think it's interesting what you said is like the way you process things, like we're all really different. Like for me, it is stillness and meditation and whatnot. And for you, it is like going to trusted life advisors or going for a walk or whatnot, being on a plane. And I think once you know that about yourself, it becomes like your inner toolkit. And when you're in those moments, you have a toolkit to go to versus doing things that may be destructive or deflecting from actually getting to it's know yourself. Such, it's, so it sounds like you were pretty, like you were a productive griever in some ways, right? Like you were like <laughs> getting shit done, which is so interesting because that is sometimes like, I have a theory about especially Persian immigrants. Like they're such hustlers because they're just repressing everything. They're like, gotta keep moving, yeah. like gotta make money, gotta keep when it is, you know, that's a lot of immigrants. And I don't think it's necessarily the worst thing in the world. Cause I do think there's like a lot of energy being placed somewhere good. But I think there's like such a balance, right? Cause like I've had moments where I've been in a really sad place and then I overdo the like wellness stuff. Mm. And it's just like almost so self-indulgent. It's not fun. It's like you need to be social. You know, it's like, I'm like, I'm not drinking. I'm not going out. I'm going to meditate every morning, do gratitude. And then it's like this extreme of like taking care of yourself. But you're like, but I guess also knowing now we're older, it's like knowing we're social people. We like to have conversations. Seeing friends is really healing. Connections really healing. And like honoring those moments is so important. So if I mean you... For me, like the definition of productive, like you're always productive. Oh no, she's I agree. literally like an, an everything. You can do something with nothing from creating an event from nothing or from, you know, five minutes on your phone, you just accomplish like so much, mm-hmm. right? Like, how do you like do that all? Yeah, like, how do you it, keep motivated? So I realized that if I'm doing one thing for a long time, it's hard for me to stay motivated. I'm definitely ADD. And so, I guess in, with events, you know, I can easily talk about that. Like it's so easy because it's so exciting every single time because it's a new thing every single time. So it's like, you're creating this world. It's just that one night and then, and you're, you're leading up to it and you're building towards it. You build, build, build. It exists. And then it gets taken down and all you have are the memories of it, the photos of it, whatever, but it's gone and you never have to talk about it again. And I think there's something really like energizing about being able to throw projects up against the wall and see if they stick. And when they do, great, you pursue them. And when they don't, that's fine too. You keep moving along. I find that like going back to that state of flow and connection, like the only way for me to feel 
balance is to be the weird productive person that I am that's always working towards something new. When something doesn't, so you throw something at the wall and it doesn't stick, how do you not like let that get in the way of like creating that fear that's going to paralyze you? Like, how do you recover? Like, what does your resilience look like? I start the next thing. You just sort of like, I'm just like, that's, that's, you just don't internalize it. You're like, that's out. Yeah. And it might be unhealthy. I don't know if it's unhealthy. So you don't identify with it. You're like, oh, that didn't work. Like, that's not You don't internalize the, um, not rejection, but like the, the challenge. You're like, okay, wasn't right. Let's keep moving. Yeah. I mean, I'll have my moment with it. But it's like a relationship. Yeah, I was just going to say it's like, very similar. How many exes can you look, whatever, maybe a few loves in your life. You look back and you're like, okay, like it didn't work, but does that define me? So why should anything else in my life define you? I think that I'm assuming you're good at because from the outside. Yeah. Which it sounds like But how like did you, you get, are. yeah, how did, was that was like that built like, in your DNA? Yeah, was that innate to you? Like, I think it comes back down to parenting. Tell me more. For me. Like, I think that I've always felt in my life with my parents that, like, I was supported and loved. And, like, that my parents always told me, like, a very young age, you can do anything. My dad would bring me into boardrooms. I would take notes. He gave me a business card when I was super young, you know? Like, I always just thought. So cute. You could do anything. Right. That, but that, yeah, it's like there's a Kobe theory. Like, I read some article when Kobe died about how, like, he was able to achieve so much in his life because of that, that safety net, that trust and that love. Cause it gives you that confidence that like, if I fail, it's okay. I will still be loved. It's not conditional. Yeah. And I'll still keep on moving on. And that, I do think that like coming back to trust and love actually builds resilience in a way. Cause you're like, it's okay to fail. Yeah. Or and it, fail is such a bad no, word. Let's not use whatever. Word. It's, it's okay to, it's okay to, to flop. To move on. To flounder, right? No, and to release and to move on. Yeah. You can release things. You yeah. don't have to be attached. But to I will them. also say, like, I go. hate to say that that's the reason because I know that I'm very fortunate in that. You know, I I know that not everyone has, has that. that. But I think that there's, I would hope that there's at least chosen family, mm-hmm. right? Like your friends mm-hmm. and, and mentors or even like public figures that you look up to. Like, again, like growing up, like when people ask me what I want to be with, I said Walt Disney. But that's like, what does that even mean? You know, like, but I think you can draw inspiration and you can draw security and from external factors that don't have to be your parents. So for me, it was my parents, but I don't think that it has right. to be your parents. Like you're not doomed if it's so, not going so to be your like, parents. So like, take us back to like high school, Soph. Okay. Were you, did you take have that? <laughs> did you have back. this like Please don't. <laughs> resilience in you? Did you have this kind of like fearless, like, Yes. Did. So yeah. this happened before Aries, your right? yeah. So am I though, and I don't have that. Fire. Yes, you do. Yeah, you do. Not this like relentless like pursuit of like I you. Think maybe you're more emotional, but that's not a bad thing. It's just different. no, no. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but I'm I'm a very it's, a, it's very yeah. LA to say the astrologist because I'm an Aries. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do that stuff. I'm not LA enough yet. But like in high school, so this is like. This is before, like, you know. Like, what's your rising now and your moon? Before your father is passed it? away, you still had that. Oh, that makes sense. Your, wait, sorry. Your <laughs> rising is cancer and your moon. 
I don't know. Well, that would make a lot of sense. I'm true? cancer cancer. Oh, you're cancer cancer. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Because yeah. that's pretty emotional. Okay, we're not going to turn into okay, every sorry, other sorry, podcast. Sorry. <laughs> we can cut this out. <laughs> no, no, it's funny. But every, I feel like so many podcasts here are like, let's start beginning by what is your I know, rising? I know. I believe in that stuff, but I know it's not really about that. Because I do think ultimately you can like, you can Joe Dispenza your life. Like you can change your personality. You can change your goals. Like you really can do anything. Yeah. But I do struggle with the idea. Like my dad was more like that. My mom was just super pragmatist, like not. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Negative way, but just like that's what it was. And I feel like if you don't necessarily have that encouragement growing up of like, you can do anything, you can do it because that's when you're programmed. But I do think that like that's, that is the juice you need. Like yeah. even if you give it to yourself at 30, like yeah. to wake up in the yes. morning and be like, you can do anything because that is like how my dad, you know, built his success. Yeah. And it was not handed to him at all. Yeah. And it's so important. It, it's super important. And that is, you're asked about how I was like in high school. And now I'm thinking like, oh, yeah, I ran for student body every year. I had no issue with if I didn't win. Like, I just did it. <laughs> See, you know? that's like, or, you need a so healthy came amount from before of like, you were faced with the test from the universe of yeah. your dad and your best friend passing away. Like you've had this in you. I think it just accentuated then. I think I'm, I'm an older sibling. I'm protective. But I was also protected by my parents and stuff. and. I went to a school where in my class, I was the bottom. So everyone went to like Stanford, Yale, Ivy League, et cetera. I think maybe three people didn't. And I was one of the three. (laughs) And But like I knew if I want to stand out and I'm a competitive person, if I want to stand out, then I needed to do all the student body stuff and I need to start every club. And, And so it naturally made me into a leader. The environment that I was raised in kind of, Mm-hmm. trained me to be a leader and to accept failure and to just keep it moving and not, I don't know, not to tie myself to, like, when you fail at your first company, that's the moment, like, for me, that moment, I was like, oh, no one cares that I failed. Why do I care so much? Why am I yeah. attaching this to me? It has nothing to do with me. It's something that I do. Yeah, that's such a great Wait, can we just talk about this on, for a second? Because that's so difficult. Can Even we, like, wait, Jazz, sorry. The fact that like no one cares, we're so in our head yeah. about what other people think. And people literally think about us for maybe 10 seconds, maybe 30. Yeah. And then it goes away, yet it's still in our head for weeks, months, years. Yeah. Well, because it's almost like that little bit of narcissism we all have where we're like, 
we think, I was going to actually ask you, like, you really can't care about what other people think to get ahead in life. You really have to let go of that. And I think that's clearly what you're expressing, like you kind of have. Do you agree, would you agree no, with that? No, I, I do. I, I had a moment of that, Annabelle, and I had a conversation recently where like I, I won't get into detail, but I decided not to go do something that I wanted to do because of what other people thought. Mm-hmm. External people who don't, they don't go to sleep next to me every night. They're not in, you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. just, they have nothing to do with anything. Mm-hmm. But I allowed for a moment to let someone else feeling, comment, whatever, guide my life into a direction that wasn't positive for me and something that I didn't want to do for me. And I found solace in saying, well, oh, if there's this negative thing about me, then I should I should prove it wrong, right. you know? And, and so I should be the person that they are basically saying I should be. Right. If that makes sense. But that was the most recent encounter where I was like, well, you're just living for someone else. For someone else. Well, yeah. I said to Soph, I'm like, this is so not you. When have you ever cared what people think of you? And yeah. And then I was like, oh yeah, I need to be reminded that I don't, I don't care about what people she, think. She's never cared what people think about her. She literally, I, how do you have this like also confidence in yourself? This like innate confidence of like, you don't have to like me. That's totally fine. Cause I'm secure and confident in myself. Because the people who matter stick around and the people who don't and pollute your life and energy with nonsense, like they, they come as fast as they can. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, like they, it's just, it doesn't matter. Like I, I think that I know who I am. I know who my friends are. I know who my family is. I know what my values, my morals, what makes me feel good. What doesn't make me feel good. So why should I let anyone affect that? Of course you can't control it all the time, but as much as I can control it, what am I doing? This is, you only have one life. Live it, be happy, do what makes you feel good. Fuck the people who stop yeah, you, you yeah. know, like, fuck that. It's such noise. And yeah. it gets in the way of you fulfilling your life. It's your life. But that's a mindset that you have to train yourself in. That's not something that yeah. comes naturally. Like maybe <laughs> for you, it comes more naturally, but for a lot of people, it they have to like, you have to like coach yourself on on being like, who cares what they think? Like, doesn't matter. That's their life. Like, you know, I can move on from identities. I don't have to do, I can release, I can release friendships, relationships, whatever. I can do me. Because so often in our society, we're conditioned to care what people think, to fit in molds, to stay in people's expectations of ourselves. And the second we veer out, we allow room for others to say stuff, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to have cheerleaders in your life. There are very key moments in my life where I can remember conversations like the one we had when I, my ex-boyfriend broke up with me and I have this like voicemail that I say from my dad that was like, I've never heard my dad cuss. And he was like, fuck that guy. Let's go grab a drink tonight. Oh, <laughs> Just me and you, so you know? Sweet. And I'm like, that's, that's what, so sweet. you know, like it's all about the moments where you're like, when you're down, you need the people to pull you up. And so just like, if you're putting your energy in anything, it's like, really diving into who matters and who doesn't and who's like present and who's not, who's going to lift you up. Life is crazy. You do need, it's it's like literally been the theme in every conversation we've had for this podcast is having someone who sees you for who you are and lifting you up and like loving you unconditionally. And the importance of those people in your career trajectory, like I'm sure there were some key people who believed in you over the course of the years who really helped 
get you to where you are today. And like, we don't get anywhere alone. There's always like key people that you can go back and look at. And sometimes they're very unassuming. They're just like, could be like a random person who gave you one piece of advice that you like have held on to Mm -hmm. till now, right? Mm -hmm. But I think it's important to not be afraid to ask. So many people are so afraid to be judged by what a stupid question, to ask advice. More often than not, people want to help others is what I've realized actually. And then then those who don't will just die like (laughs) alone. I don't know. You know, those who don't, they just don't and that's fine. They're not worth it. But for the most part, I find like, there's no stupid question. There's no person in this planet that you can't reach out to and ask for, for help. We're you know, all even like a one degree separation. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Even like when we were doing the dinners, like I used to host these dinners in my backyard. And if I look at the roster of people who spoke at these dinners, I'm like, how did I get in touch with these people? I believe that you can. You get you out of your to, head. You have yeah. to believe that you can and to remind yourself that you can. And and you're right, it is a trained thing, but you get to be the person that trains you. Yeah. It's not I feel worthy enough to like, because that's what it comes down to, right? It's like because you attract what you yeah, and like feel also you being are. like I yeah, why 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 wouldn't I have these amazing people speak at my dinner? Like, what makes them better than you know? And then I also think, to remind yourself that like it actually helps them too. Like, yeah, the next generation of people that you look up to, professionally, personally. They want to learn from you. You're you're the next generation. They're in that. I was on a call. I had a call just before this with someone who has created a restaurant empire in New York. And he was like, I think I'm going to learn a lot from you. You know? And I was like, well, I think I'm going to learn a lot from you. And it's so beautiful when you find that connection. And this is, I'm an infant in this, what I'm about to do, what the journey about to embark. And this is like a veteran. But the fact that you can find people who, it's all connection. Mm-hmm. That first question is great. Well, it's all about energy, right? We pick up on each other's energy and through it, we're able to connect and have deeper conversations. It's like, also we talk about a lot, the power of vulnerability and being open and sharing because then it allows other people to share mm-hmm. and you're able to have a deeper conversation. I remember so when when we first met, like we met at creation and then it was kind of surface level. And then the like a week later we went to Soho House and we just shared so much and we left that dinner, like literally best friends. Yeah. But it's like, we had to go deep or else we would have never had this relationship that we have now. We had to be okay sharing. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I mean, there's so many people you can meet. It's all vapid. It's all, you know, like yeah, you, you it just- it stays at the surface. It's, yeah, it stays super surface level. I learned from someone early on, he he wrote this book, Never Eat Alone, Keith yeah. Ferrazzi. And he used to go to his dinners and- he would do these like personal and professional check-ins at his dinner. I'm sure people have read about it, but it's so amazing because he would start and he would set the tone, right? So he would say like, what's going on in your life professionally? What's going on in your life personally? And he would go so deep to a place that people normally wouldn't go that the next person would get deeper and then deeper and then deeper. And these are all people who meet each other for the first time. And at the end, it's like, oh, yeah, we can all do business with each other, but we know so much about each other and we feel so connected and it, people just want to feel connected. The people want to- Totally. Like, well, when you are vulnerable, you give other people permission to go there. Yeah. And we even, I mean, I think naturally Annabelle and I are like, like that in life. Yeah. But even in like our first podcast, second podcast, we were like, okay, we actually need to spend more time in our experiences and kind of being okay, being like, yeah, I like- struggle with this or I dealt with that because I think, and that's honestly the point of this podcast is like, 
we're in such a growth mindset era, which is great, but all these podcasts are about like the recipe for joy and success and whatnot. But it's also like vulnerability is a huge piece of that. You give people permission to be vulnerable when you're vulnerable yourself. Like that's really the only way. No one's going to open up if you're not going to go there with them. And it's honestly at this age hard for me to connect with people who aren't deep. Sam, I, I don't have I'm time like, for I don't want to talk about like the weather or like yeah. how my move went. Like, I don't care about that. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, tell me about what you cried about last. So sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I meet people for the first time and I, I'm like, oh my God, I love this person. I come home and I tell Aaron and Aaron's like, so what do they do? Like, where do they live? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I actually truly don't know their job or what area they right, live in, but like, I know cares. so much deeper shit about them that I actually feel like I really know them. And I don't feel like I need to know the surface level stuff because that won't change how I view them. Right. And like vulnerability is a superpower. I think for me, so many people used to tell me, oh, you're too emotional. Like, why are you sharing that? And when I was raising money and I was trying to get into airports and all of those things, like people used to always like, frown upon that I was so vulnerable. But in the end of the day, my vulnerability was my biggest strength and allowed me to create the relationships to get into an airport, to get investors to believe in me, to rally all of these people to create this business. It's it's so much more, more often than not, people are puffing their chest and like, yeah, blurting out numbers that are like, who cares? Like, that's not interesting anymore. But when, when I think you hear for the first time, someone say something deep, vulnerable, like, different from what you're hearing. Like these investors get pitched all day. Yeah. Okay. Then, then all of a sudden you stand out. So there's, there's a reason why, you know, yeah. you got so far so quickly. I mean, I was so impressed with what you did. <laughs> I remember. You. Yeah. I also think it's not being scared to say, like, I literally said, I have no idea what I'm doing. I have no idea how to get into an airport. Like being okay with saying, you don't know how to do it but you'll figure it out because people want to know that you're going to figure it out. Not that you have it all put together. Mm -hmm. No one knows what they're doing. That is a fallacy, right? Something we should talk about. People who think they know what they're doing, like how can everyone know what they're doing? The universe is in control. They're not in control. So it's like, you can have a very good mindset. You can have a really good attitude and problem solving, and you can have great skills like that. That's great. And you'll figure it out, but you can't say you always know what you're doing. You don't don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I think Gwyneth Paltrow, I don't know like where I read this or heard this, but apparently she's very like from the beginning at Goop meetings would be like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, like I need to learn because, you know, she created this whole business. Like I'm butchering what she's probably actually saying in the meetings, but, you know, humbling and like just having humility and being like, I don't actually know how to do certain things, but doesn't mean I won't learn. And I do think that's a really good place to come from in life, even just in relationships in general. And knowing that you don't have it figured out and you need certain people who have skill sets that you don't have, right? Like Soph was just saying, she doesn't want to sit in front of a computer. Neither do I. I hate Excel spreadsheets. I hate P&Ls. I hate all of that. So if I find someone who's smarter than me in that regard, who can handle that, I can learn, then I can focus on my magic and my power and be much happier and fulfilled on that side. So someone gave me this piece of advice again, and it was a random person, but it still holds true today is they were like, focus on your strengths and hire for your weaknesses. 100%. And at the time I was like, what does that even mean? And now I'm like, oh, it's like so clear. It's but like, you have why to have would the I confidence not? to do that almost? Cause yeah. then you're not like, cause some people have a complex of like, I can do it all. And it's like, no, you're not meant to do it all. Like it's okay. Yeah. You found your strengths though, Sophia, pretty early on now. Oh, I know. I found my weaknesses. You found your weaknesses first? I, yeah, because my failures came from that. And then I realized, okay, 
now that I know what I don't know how to do. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, this is the things then that I'm good here are at. the things I know how to do. And I mean, that's why I have so many businesses or whatever, right? Like I, yeah, I have Boxy. Like no one even realizes that I have Boxy. It's oh, yeah, a corporate that's gifting one company. But like, I don't run the day-to-day. I know I can't run the day-to-day. I know Alexa should run the day-to-day, right? So you're very and, self-aware. Yeah. I just, I like, I'm all about doing what I want to do, starting projects because they feel natural to me, understanding at what point they no longer serve me and I no longer serve that, the project. Mm -hmm. Letting go. Letting go of it. Or just stepping back, right? And yeah, like I'm doing New York events now. I'm doing LA events. Like how? I'm, I'm one person. I'm in one place, but like, okay, I found great people over there, great people over here. So you're you also very good at delegating. Yeah. I am very good at delegating. That's, yeah. like, that's a massive strength. So a lot of people don't know how to let go of like their creation and their baby, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. you're very much like, here's a vision. I need X, Y, Z people to make it happen. So you're like the visionary throughout most of the businesses yeah. that you have. Yeah, I think so. And then like for Wilderness, I'll hire a really great GM for my events. Like, yeah, I have great coordinators who will yeah. do the execution so that I can continue to design the experience, right? And I know that that's what I'm good at. I know that's what fuels me. And I know that's what's going to continue to make me show up. Mm-hmm. Right. You don't have to get bogged down in the stuff that you don't like and you're not good at. But does nothing will move forward. It's mm-hmm. like, what did today on my call, Glenn said to me, a dream without execution is hallucination. And I was like, oh, totally sets with, it sits with me. Like it's a bit aggressive, but like, it's very New York thing yeah. to say, but I, it's <laughs> yeah. true. It is true. Like, but if I don't want to be the person that's executing a certain aspect of it, because I know I'm not that person or I know it doesn't serve me. It doesn't make me feel in a state of flow. I don't feel connected to the project anymore. Then I need to find the person who does so that I can continue to do the thing that makes me happy. So that's really core to your fulfillment, bringing it back full circle is being, staying in your magic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's really important because I think so often we don't even realize we're out of our magic because we're just like, like Sophia could be like, okay, like I do everything in golden rice. Like this is my magic, but no, Sophia's magic in golden rice is the experience and putting it all together and the ideation and the vision, not the like cooking in the kitchen and bringing out orders. I do a lot of that, but I know you do all of that too. It's not what I need to be doing. (laughs) Right. But eventually, you know, you'll focus more on your magic. Right. And we, I think all of us in general just need to stay more in our magic and in our power. And obviously there will be times when we're not, and we're doing things that we don't want to do, but we know that that is temporary and Mm -hmm. we are growing into that, but just being self-aware that this doesn't feel right for me and making a change and finding the right people to support. That's like where it's at being self-aware of it first. Yeah. And sometimes I think you also have to let go of like what you expected things to look like so that you can actually get them off the ground. Yeah. I get so caught up in like the vision that I'm like, what's step one through three? Because that's what you need to be thinking about. But it's so easy to just be like head in the clouds, dreamer, you know? Yeah. You never know like where opportunities are. I mean, you're dealing with that right now. You had a vision where you thought it was going to be, you removed a constraint and now you have like all this additional possibility. And you trust in the timing of things, right? Like this is when it needed to happen. And there's so much possibility on the other side. Yeah. It's so easy to waste so much time knocking yourself for not being able to do something rather than just being like, okay, I accept that this is what it is. I'm doing everything that I can to make it happen. 
and it will when it will. (laughs) That's a training. That's something you need to train. Yeah. Takes work and energy to do so. Yeah. The resilience muscles are hard, but you have to sometimes go through the shit in order to get the resilience muscles so that next time you have them. And it sounds like resilience really ultimately comes down to the idea of like trusting that you can do anything. It comes down to love and trust because if you're like, I can do anything, then you can. Love and trust. Love and trust. So you, so if you have like self-love for yourself and trust in yourself, right? I think so. Yeah. And you, she can answer that with conviction. Yeah, Yeah, I do. I do. (laughs) She does. Like, I think if you asked me that, I would say like, yes, but yeah, I don't know if I would say it with as so much conviction and that's something I'm working on and that's totally fine. Like everyone's in their own like self-growth phase. And I know that like, that's something I've come a long way in, but I think it's also really beautiful for, to hear that. Cause I know you've also done a lot of work and you've had a lot of things come up in your life. And to hear you say that you have this self-love and self-trust in you, that's also ultimately how you're able to do the, all these things and put your heart and soul in them and feel fulfilled by them. I also feel like you shouldn't have a choice. Like, why wouldn't you love yourself? Why wouldn't you believe in yourself? Why, like, you are your biggest roadblock if you don't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But a lot so, of people have that. We are our own worst enemies. Yeah. Do you feel like you have the same resilience in your personal relationships, romantic relationships? I've learned to. Yeah. I've learned to. Because it is a different animal, but it, it's totally different. It hits a different chord. Yeah. You know, it's for sure. Um, it's, Hard to not take love personally. (laughs) (laughs) It's very easy for me to take profession. Yeah. You know, it's a separate thing, but love is is personal and um, it's intimate and it's very vulnerable. So you can't knock yourself for, you know, taking a bit longer to get over something or, but I think for better or for worse, recently I've, I've also just learned the same way with business. Like, if someone doesn't show up for you the way that they should, they don't deserve you. If someone, you know, doesn't see you for who you are and what value you can create together or bring to the table, they don't deserve you. And so I'm just so done with chasing anything that mm-hmm. doesn't add value to my life. That's such a wise, important reminder. It's like, yeah, like why persist what resists? Like why chase what's like... And it always ends up leading you to something better. Totally. I've like made a recent decision not to speak to someone anymore. Mm-hmm. Like just like, they don't add value, you know? Like yeah. Friend or lover. Boundaries, they don't add value. yeah. So like create value, like create your boundaries. Exactly. Because I found myself thinking about things all the time and like having conversations in my head. And it's so toxic. Like if someone ever makes you question yourself, You've got to be yeah, done with done. them. <laughs> That's so true. I know. And we've got to be a little more cutthroat about that. Yeah. We also have to be okay letting go of things that no longer serve us, whether it's friendships, businesses, anything, right? Yeah. To just like let it go. And sometimes it's easier in one department than another. You may be able to let go of businesses, but it's very hard for you to let go of a friendship or whatnot. But just like- That's why breaking up is so hard to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But when someone breaks up with someone, if it wasn't a healthy relationship or if I didn't feel like their soul was shining in that relationship, I literally say congratulations. I'm yeah. like, I don't say, oh my God, are you okay? Like, I'm like, congrats. I'm so proud yeah, of like you. Yeah, you're out of that. It's true. All breakups is, it's a congrats. Yeah. But isn't it so crazy though that like, I always, I've said this before where I'm like, isn't it funny how you can miss the wrong person? Oh, totally. <laughs> you're you're like, like, ships in the night. You're like, 
Oh, or, or no, I mean like you miss them even though oh, you know oh, they're not oh, right for yes. you. Yes, of course. But you're holding on to like, I think an, idea. an ideal. I've been talking about this all week. <laughs> it's just, it's an ideal. It's a thing of the sometimes past. Sometimes just emotions are their own like, you know. And the thing is, is that like you cannot control other people. Mm-mm. And you cannot control the way one person feels from one day to the next. You can only control your own. Mm-hmm. So I think often we find disappointment in like whatever, however the relationship ends, mm-hmm. right? And you start to hold on because of that disappointment, then you're looking, you don't want to look at that person because they disappointed you. So right. now you're like looking in this past era where you're like, oh, but this was so nice and it was I so know. lovely. And it's your just mind all, plays tricks on you. You don't recycle trash. Yes. I love that. <laughs> Can we quote you on that? Yeah. That's good. We don't recycle trash. That is so good. And so, so good. Okay. So, so <laughs> we end every podcast with a question. What's the point? What? It's a big question, but it Loaded. doesn't have to be daunting. What's the point? Just had to be happy. Like I want, again, flow, happiness, connection. That's it. Like, mm-hmm. otherwise I'm living for someone else. I love that. And I'm sure people say happiness all the time, but I know we've it. gotten a lot of different answers oh, really? and it's, and it's true. I think flow is those like so was really important. quarter your whole story. And I think that's beautiful. And, and it has been very different from anything that we've heard. And it's true. Like once you find your flow and you're in your like rhythm and in your magic, like yeah. that's what life's all about getting to that place. Mm-hmm. Love it. Love it. Well, thank you, Sophia. We love you so much. Thank you for being here. We can't wait to be your biggest cheerleaders and see all the amazing things you're going to continue to accomplish. Internal and external. It's true. Love you. Love you. (laughs)